0: Live across Australia on SEN Track, Giddy Up with Gareth Hall. Yes, this is Giddy Up on this Wednesday the 10th of January. Gareth Hall with you, of course. We're live from the Gold Coast for day two of the Magic Million sales. It was a big day yesterday, so we'll discuss all of that. It's a big good morning to you listening on your local SEN Track dial right across this country, and a big hello to you wherever you may be listening On the SEN app. Plenty to discuss today. So much news going around in the sport of racing. And we'll catch up with our man, Brent O'Brien, to kick off proceedings from the straight. And uh, we'll touch on day one of the Magic Millions. There's a story about the jockeys wearing AirPods before the Magic Millions two-year-old classic. They had gallops on the inner track at Caulfield yesterday. So we'll get all of the latest with Brent. The means test is back for another year, 2024. Took took us a little while to sign up Wayne Hawks and also Johnny O'Neill but we finally got them to put pen to paper and they'll join me here on the Gold Coast live in the Racing Queensland tent just after nine o'clock Queensland time and of course ten o'clock eastern time. Wayne's been a bit of a star he's caused a little bit of a stir when you drive in after getting um, out of the airport there on the Gold Coast he's all over the billboards the weapon Um, he's promoting North Pacific the horse that the. The Hawks team had so much success with, so looking forward to catching up with Wayne. Guy Moldcaster will join us, the captain, with our Breeding Bloodstock and Banter podcast, of course, but he's been very busy at the sale so far. He's purchased about four or five Gallopers with Chris Waller Racing, so he's got the checkbook out, the captain, so looking forward to catching up with him. We'll find you a few winners across the three codes with Bagger tips, thanks to Wallace Equipment Rentals and the Mighty Ultima Hotel, and Bet365, the world's favourite online betting brand. What's gambling really costing you? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. So we'll find you some winners with Bag of Tips. Darren Carroll had another big day there yesterday, so looking forward to catching up with him. Um, Mickey Gatton, Dean Watling, Mitchie Lewis, they're all back for another year for Bag of Tips, the best tipsters in the land. So, And we'll also talk a little bit of harness racing just before 10 o'clock. Um, Eastern time and nine o'clock Queensland time with uh, the Facing the Breeze team, Anthony Butt and uh, Jack Trainer. The Wednesday debate's usually at this time, but we'll start the Wednesday debate next week. It is six minutes past eight in uh, the East, at six minutes past seven here in Queensland. And Bren O'Brien will be part of the team in 2024. He's taken the punt. He's started off his new business called The Straight, which is a media organisation that tells the news in racing anyway like it should be told. And he joins us now. day, Brent. Hello to you. G'day, Get I'm well, Gareth. How are you? Good, thank you. You've been covering these sales for a long time now. Did it surprise <laughs> you, the success of day one?
1: Yeah, it was like... I, I, no, I'm never surprised. I guess sometimes you are surprised when you cover these sales and they jump by 15%, 20%. But if you look at the, the record of this sale in particular over the last 10 years, I mean, it hasn't taken a backward step, the... Um, the aggregate, you know, the gross for the sale has gone up year on year every year for the past ten years, and the average has gone up every year year on year with the exception of one. It was one year where it took a little step back. So, you know, to see it grow again last, uh, you know, yesterday, it was a record first day average of about two hundred and eighty-three yeah. thousand dollars, and you know that's that that's significant. So I think that you know the, the positivity was there. Um, it is a very positive market, and it probably does. Yeah, it does speak to what Magic Millions have done to this sale because while obviously the bloodstock market has increased in value uh, significantly over that period, I the quality of the sale has, in, has improved as well and they deserve credit for that. The quality of horse available here. Um, I'm hoping to do some analysis later in the week on the type of horses being sold out of this sale but it's, um, it's, it's notable that it's a much,
0: it, it is a, an improved quality of sale. So yesterday the figures two hundred and eighty-one thousand dollars was the average, which is up on last year of two hundred and seventy-one. So every time I turn up to these sales, they seem to be breaking records. The median was steady at two hundred and ten thousand. There were four million dollar lots sold. And it was interesting, Tiako Racing purchased two of those, one in partnership with Coolmore, and Coolmore and Tiako Racing teaming up for the first time. Um, that was an interesting story for mine. So when you think about Tiago Racing, you think of a syndicate, but it's much more than that. For David Ellis. it's th- well, it's David Ellis's brand. So he's so it's basically it's a syndicate business, but in in a way as well, he he employs Mark Walker as his trainer, and then he says, I don't care who we get. You can race in the Coolmore colours. You can come and race horses with us, and it doesn't have to be in the the Tiago Racing orange or whatever they call their colours. There, um, the colour of their colours, but I think that, that was interesting yesterday with Tiako Racing, teaming up with the, the might of Coolmore. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a fascinating little, little early subplot. I mean, it's, it's probably not surprising.
1: Coolmore have in the past sought to partner with people they see as highly successful. I think why it's significant to Gareth, it was, it's, it's off the back of Tiako's commitment to come to Australia and establish their basic Cranbourne. Yeah. Um, they did that earlier this year. Um, obviously Ben Gleason's involved there, so heading, heading that up from an assistant trainer point of view. Um, and, and we saw during the spring those colours to the fore through Imperatrix, and that was a significant you know, moment where you see that, you know whether Agleby or non the best sprinter in Australia, come out and win three Group 1 races, having already won one in the autumn. She's a superstar, and those tangerine colours you spoke of before have been to the fore. The tangerine, so that, bit... that
0: was the word I was looking for. There
1: you go. <laughs> I, was to, I was trying to remember it yesterday, too, how to, what that clarifies. But anyway, so yeah, it's, it's it's been really important for that. And I think what's happened is the Magnier family, headed by Tom Maguire in Australia, but obviously John Maguire back in Ireland, have, have noted that success and they wanted to have to chat to them and say, hey, we'd like to send you a horse. How do we do this? You know, and, and, and it is interesting because Coolmore in recent times have sent a lot of their best colts to, um, to Chris Waller. Um, but just, it's just a bit of a change of strategy. And, and David Ellis did the bidding, uh, it'll race, from what David said, in the Coolmore Colours, not the Tangerine, but in the Navy Coolmore Colours. Uh, this is the I'm Invincible colt we're talking about, Lot 19, which, uh, uh, which, 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 yeah, it was a significant moment because I think it's a bit of a fate in Tiako's Australian strategy. And if you look at the fact that... I guess the other point is, David Ellis and Tiako actually bought $2 million lots yesterday. I went through the records, and I've got a, yeah. you know, a, spreadsheet, a spreadsheet here with 56... Yeah, how many, how many horses have sold in Australia million-dollar horses over the past past 10 years, and, and when I went through the records, I found that David Ellis had never bought a million-dollar lot in Australia. Now, this is someone who's been uh, 18 times the leading buyer at Caracas, the Caracas getting sale in New Zealand, had never bought a million-dollar lot in Australia, and he did it twice in a day. So that shows where their intent is. The second Colt, uh, the ZOOSTAR Colt, will go back to New Zealand to, to race, but no doubt we'll probably see him in Australia if he's any, any good at any stage. Um, especially in, uh, you know, with it being a Magic Millions uh, cult. But, um, yeah, it, it's just a little fascinating, I guess, boost in Chiarco's investment in Australia and involvement in Australia and what that means
0: ongoing. And you usually don't see Queensland trainers forking out a million dollars for a yearling. And Tony Gollum, well, I think he's... Well, he's Queensland's clearly leading trainer. And this is a, a story there of inspiration in a way. Jennifer Acton, who is the, the widow of... Um, big cattle farmer unfortunately Alan Acton lost his life in a, a helicopter um, accident there last year and he, he loved the game Outback Barbie was his favourite horse he didn't get to see that, that um, Outback Barbie's foal go to sale and that was a dream of his and so Jennifer continued on Alan's legacy in this beautiful game and she purchased a horse for 1.2 million dollars there for Tony Golan yesterday which was a, which was a great story yeah, it was a really good
1: story. And, I mean, Tony Golan's a, a, a fascinating guy because if you look at his stats, and we had a, we had a story in the straight, uh, yeah, very early on in our journey, I think about four or five weeks ago, we're looking back in time of Tony's history. And while he's obviously, you know, uh, got a very keen eye and a very, uh, you know, analytical way of approaching things, he has had success from, you know, training the progeny of horses that he trained. There was a horse called Temple Spirit way back in the day who, when he was wondering whether he was going to keep on training anymore with his one decent horse in the stable, he went to Peter yeah. Moody one day and said, Peter, I want to want to work for you. And Peter said, you're mad? Go back. So Temple Spirit ended up being the dam of both Spirit of Boom and Temple of Boom. So that, uh, who obviously, you know, breakthrough group one winner, Spirit of Boom now, a massive sire and, you know, doing very well for himself. And what um, Tony's been able to do is parlay his association with... with these horses into the next generation of those horses. So it wasn't that surprising to see him putting his hand up for the Outback Barbie filly. He said yep. she's exactly like her mum, which is, which is really interesting from that point of view. And if that being the case, we'll likely see her back on the Gold Coast next year. And presuming um, everything goes well, she'll be back back to, you know, to race and carry those colours carry those with pride. So it's a really significant, I guess, purchase for Tony. But also, it's not surprising. He's a guy that's got plenty of ambition and a little bit of sentiment, and I guess, sentiment and the fact that he wants to train these family members and he wanted to be the first trainer to step out Outback Barbie's Philly.
0: I think it's a, a great advertisement for Queensland Racing as well because obviously you've got the the breeding scheme here in Queensland which is very, very good but in the past Queensland trainers have just been blown out of the water by the Eastern State Gallop, uh, the Eastern State trainers but Tony Golan's proven that if you dream big and you've got that type of ambition that you can mix it with the big the big stables. Yeah, and I think that if you
1: look back through Tony's major owners, he's been very savvy with who he's been able to manage relationships with, whether it be Eureka Stud, whether it be uh, Black Soil Bloodstock, and those those guys as well. Whether, there's, there, his owners are significant owners. Um, he's been able to nurture large relationships, be they Queensland breeding owners or New South Wales based or other other places. He's been very good at, 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 you know, that success he's had has come from ensuring he's getting the source of the best horses. And sometimes you have to go the, the ring and you want, the one you want, and if it's seven figures, you've got to stick your hand up for it. And, um, and he wanted that fill yesterday, and he stuck his hand up for it, and you've got to, t- you know, take the pressure that training a million-dollar yeah. horse entails and move it on from there. So, it's, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it Tony has played at, uh, a very clever game up until this point, and it's not surprising to see him at the sharp end of the uh, yielding buyer's market.
0: Any surprises with um, stables or uh, um, other owners that really come to play there yesterday? I I saw Chris Waller, like, I know he's always active, but I thought he was really active. And we've got the Captain Guy Moldcaster who will join us um, in this first hour as well. But they probably purchased more horses on day one than I've ever seen them purchase there for quite some time. Um, Usually it's Kira Ma that's the stable that's leading the way, but Waller really, really flexed his muscles there yesterday. Yeah, he bought,
1: he bought six, uh, which is the hot most of any buyer yesterday. I think Kieran and 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 various partnerships might have bought five, I think, from memory. Um, so it it was a uh, it was interesting just to sort of see there. Obviously, Waller putting his stamp on early on. I mean, I noticed that they were there nice and early, doing their research, sitting in the in the ring before the sale, working through it. Uh, him and his team guy, and also Charlie Duckworth, working through those things. Uh, the, the horses they were looking at. And, um, yeah, it is a good sign of intent. I think probably the, it was notable with the fact that there wasn't a dominant buyer yesterday in terms of overall spend or, or those things. I just went, I went through the stats now. I was looking at the amount of individual buyers last year compared to this year. Now, this year, yep. the, the first day was a little bit uh, longer in terms of the catalogue. I think it was sort of 20 more horses sold. But um, it was 116 individual buyers this year compared to 103 last year on day one. And that shows us that that depth of buying is still there. And that's probably the one concern about the market is whether you know, the, the syndicators and the, and the trainers and the people buying in the 100 to 200 to 300 range are still buying. They were yesterday. Now, whether they'll still be buying on Thursday and Friday, it's um, yet to be seen. We don't know. But certainly, you know, for, in terms of ticking that box, that was done yesterday because there was a breadth of buyers there willing to bid on horses and willing to buy horses.
0: What about the. Race day coming up on Saturday. We had the barrier draws there yesterday for the two-year-old Classic and also the three-year-old Guineas. And uh, everybody wants to tip me Stormboy. All of our racing experts say that he's over the line in the two-year-old Classic there on Saturday. He's at $2.60. Spywire at 650 was a bit of a mover. Arabian Summer at $7 was the big move for the McAvoys. Highness at $7.50. Parkour for James Cummings at 8.50, and then Wolfgang probably doesn't want any rain. It's at $17. Um, it does look Storm Boy's race even after the barrier draw. Brent, is that how you've been reading it when you've been had your ear to the ground on the Gold Coast over the last couple of days? Yeah, I, I think so.
1: I think most people are trying to tip you. As I said, trying to tip your Storm Boy, that was like a conversation around, I think... Uh, that 's not surprising, given the form and sort of how things have worked out, given his form, but I think that barrier helps as well, and I think probably the fact I mean we know Parkour goes back. I think parkour's a yep. horse that's got a lot of upside, but I think yep. you know, the fact that he's seventeen is not a great barrier at the Gold Coast at any time. He might be a horse that goes back, but you 've got to have to be an exceptional horse to do that now at all. It might depend on how the track's playing on the day. Um, yeah, there is a little bit of unknown about the track. There's always been a lot of rain. It's a brand-new track that they've redone. Uh, it, it is fining up. This is probably the best day we've had, we've had so far. Gareth, you'd probably say, in terms of weather yeah. so far, um, it's not belting with rain, so that's a good start. So, um, yeah, I, mean, I think he's the one that people, people want to tip you. But I, I think Parkour is the horse of a long-term upside, and he's probably the horse to, to watch mm. out. I guess probably the other feedback I've had too, Gareth, with just in terms of the quality of this field, that the quality of horse in this field is probably not up to what we've seen in previous years. Uh, I yes. guess we'll see because two-year-olds you don't know. Good horses can sort of emerge. But they're probably the, what people are telling me is that, you know, the depth is probably not there, which is why there's sort of confidence around Stormboard because he's seen as a horse that's, you know, that, that sort of at that mm-hmm. sort of, you know, that usual top level we're used to seeing here um, and whether he can um, sort, of, sort of, you know, build on that and go to better races after Saturday and, and you know, the bigger two-year-old races, group one, two-year-old races in the autumn we'll see from there.
0: Have you seen a domination by a trainer with two-year-olds. I know Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott have had a wonderful year and they've done wonders with a horse like an Alligator Blood, for instance. But I can't recall a stable just hitting the, like, hitting the ground running and just completely, completely dominating the, the two-year-old races in the early part of the season. And then when you have a look at the slipper markets and you've got, of course, the Magic Millions two-year-old classic on Saturday, their horses are leading the way. And even they had a few nice ones troll yesterday as well at Canterbury.
1: I think like like yeah, you know, Gay has you know long been known for her ability to find an edge and find out where you know what she can do best. And I think probably what they may have identified and I'm not too sure, I haven't spoken specifically about this is a strategy to, to either Gay or Adrian or, or the yelling you know, the, the guys that work with him, police lady does a lot of the yelling buying as well. But I think what they probably identify is the two leading trainers in the country, Chris Waller and Kira Mar, have had two year old success, but they are not renowned as two year old trainers. Has been a long time, obviously, he's got a terrific record with two year olds, yeah. and clearly, this current crop has worked really well for them. Everything, you know, occasionally you get a crop where everything works out fine, the best horses stay fit and sound, and are able to build through it. And, and that's helped them a lot. And, and yeah, I mean, they have found the right horses for this, and it is a lucrative strategy because there is so much money in two year old racing in Australia. And If you can get them right, get them up and going, and um, you know, and, and with these type of races, it makes such a big difference. And I think the key is too, when you look at the fact that the owner of Stormboy in the weekend is um, you know, Cunningham Thoroughbreds, who are one of the so they've sort of come into this industry in the last four or five years in a big way in terms of their investment. Mm. They're the sort of people that will have two-year-old horses coming forward. They're the sort of people that will be sitting behind gain Adrian, um, you know, getting them to bid this week on some more two-year-olds for next year. And if you can have success with two-year-olds, what that means is you can go back to the yearling sales next year and you don't have to go back and beg your owners to put their money up again. You get They're just keen ads because they're making money out of this venture anyway and they're keen to back you up again. So I think success begets success. They've identified an opportunity in the market. Congratulations to them. They're doing really, really well. And it it is interesting. There is, you know, there's a a lot of money in two-year-old racing. Gay
0: has done a tremendous job of sourcing that in the past. And it's interesting to see her going back to what was a key strategy of hers over the years. A story that Ben Dorries broke yesterday, which I found interesting. And it reads, The Gold Coast Magic Millions is poised to revolutionise racing coverage with elite jockeys to wear AirPods. Yes, AirPods. During, I don't think it's during, I think it's before the $14.25 million race day to provide Channel 7 viewers with unprecedented insight. Unlike Racing Victoria's failed plan for jockeys to wear interactive earpieces during races, the Channel 7 plan involves handing jockeys airpods, would you believe, before the race jump. Select jockeys would wear them behind the gates before the 11 lucrative Magic Millions Day races. Being connected for live interviews with... Commentary legend Bruce McAvaney and other seven commentators, jockeys would put one of the earpods in their ear before taking it out and giving it back to an audio assistant. Now I was having dinner with a leading jockey there yesterday. He says he would not wear an airport an earpod. Um, it was interesting to see Queensland jockeys or read Queensland Jockeys Association boss. Glenn Prentice said Queensland and New South Wales jockeys were receptive to the idea. I didn't get much of a response from the Victorian jockeys, but normally with these things, it's one in or all in. I don't know about that. I don't know if the jockeys will like this or not. Like for instance, you want to be hearing from James McDonald, don't you? And he's a million to one to wear an AirPod. Yeah, it, 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 it's an interesting one, isn't it?
1: given the turmoil that was caused in Victoria when so it's not similar, but, yeah, similar sort of things were mentioned uh, a little while back. Like, uh, uh, you yeah, I guess the jockeys have got to determine what's safe for them to do. If they're riding around to the, the stalls and they've got the airports in and they're able to talk, then that's, you know, you know that they have to perceive that that's safe to do. So clearly in the race, it's a very different matter and you don't, you know, you don't want that dis- distraction. And that's, you know, something that's been discussed before. But, yeah, I, I think it, it'll be really fascinating to see what happens. Clearly it's, it's about innovation, so you've got to support that from yeah. that point of view. Guess what does it add, Gareth? That's the question. What does it add? That insight well, from the jockey as they head around to the
0: stalls, um, well, and, and, and it, yeah, yeah. I, I think it. I think it does. Like if jockeys want to do it, then let them do it. And I think it's terrific for the coverage, and well done for Channel Seven to think outside of the square and Racing Queensland to come together with Channel Seven to to try and make make racing more of an attractive TV product. And you do need to be. In a, you do need to innovate and you do need to make it like reality tv in a way and you do need to take the, the the viewers inside the inner sanctum and it would be great theater with the jockeys talking to bruce and um the channel 7 team before they're heading into the gates now i did this with harness racing i interviewed the drivers before they were scoring up for these big group one races and what it did was some drivers liked to do it and other drivers didn't and you'd ask a couple of questions, and some drivers in the end really enjoyed the, the process. Um, but first of all, if you you've got to have you got to ask the right questions, and that's important. And it's good for turnover as well. Like you got to for, like especially for a two year old race. Um, say they say Katie can talk J Mac into doing it. So how did Spywire gallop to the to the barriers, J Mac? Um, does he feel good? These two year olds can be a little bit like. Sometimes they feel terrible going to the gates, and their shin's sore, and we don't know that until the, the jockey gets aboard. So that type of insight—oh, this horse has never felt better. Um, I'm ready to run a big race. The atmosphere is terrific. I think can add a lot to the coverage.
1: I, I guess what I'd say is, like, if you if you're j Mack or Craig Williams or whatever, and you've jumped on a two-year-old, and you're like, mm, something—is there something right here? Or like you've got that sort of thing, called doubt in your mind as you're galloping around to it. Yes. Yeah. Um, how honest are you going to be with a, a broader audience knowing if you come out and win the race, you're going to look like an absolute goose and say this horse is not going well. Uh, yeah. And given the, the pressure, I, I guess it just it increases that aspect of pressure around the jockey to make a, a judgment, which they may not be willing to make. And if that's the case, if they're pretty much going to say, yeah, it never felt better about every horse, well, there's not going to be a particular value to it. The value you, you sort of talk about Garrett is great, but it's whether we get that value and whether the jockeys yep. can be honest enough about it saying, oh, this horse is probably not showing as, as good as I hoped it would or whatever. And that, But then what happens from a betting perspective and an integrity perspective? I think you're having a little bit of a can of worms. I think, in principle, it works well, but it'd be very interesting to see how it works in practice.
0: Yeah, time will tell. Um, but I like racing thinking outside of the square. The inner track, I had mixed reports there from the gallops at Caulfield. I think I, th- I walked the track there just before Christmas and um, I think jockeys have told me that they'll have to get going a little bit earlier at Caulfield um, with this inner track but time will tell so looking forward to seeing how that plays out over the next couple of months hey Bren, we'll see you at the sales thanks for your time mate love catching up with you each and every Wednesday so much to talk about these days and um, you can head to the straight your, your, your publication's flying it's the talk of the Magic Millions complex mate so um, keep up that work and we'll catch up with you later on thanks up. Talk, talk soon There's Bren O'Brien from The Straight. Let's take a break. We'll come back with plenty more. This is Giddy Up on uh, this Wednesday morning. We're live from the Gold Coast for the, the sales of the Magic Millions.